Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Andy Carroll Hand of God to my Maradona Hand of God. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how the devil are we? I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm brilliant. I'm buzzing today. I've no idea why. Uh, it's, it's got a good weekend, you know, packed full of action coming up. Got another stag do, which is fun. I've got a a competition at the weekend which will be fun as well which is crossfit related so no one wants to hear about that but yeah i know i'm buzzing for some reason it's just one of those days i think yeah you haven't mentioned the fact that we're both going on this stag do and you're leaving halfway through so that you can take part in the crossfit competition the day after which i think is shameful on your part why is it shameful let me ask that question why is it shameful because one of your best friends is having a stag do and you're abandoning it halfway through so you can <laughs> run around and do crossfit things let's bear in mind that we've already been on this this friend's particular stag do we, we went to mexico it's the same guy how many stag do's is too many stag do's that's, that's it is a bit greedy having two stag do's yeah so i think i think i can get away with this one so I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking i'm coming home um the night of the the stag and yeah crossfitting on on the sunday which will be fun it'll be great I think it's more surprising that you're driving all the way to Liverpool just to drive back the same day. That doesn't really make any sense to me, especially since you went all the way to Mexico for that same person. But anyway, no one cares about this. I don't know why we're possibly even thinking this is what people want to hear. What they do want to hear is about the championships. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. My Lord, I'm not sure I can cope with much more of the trials and tribulations of the championship, ladies and gentlemen. We are truly in the business end of the season and we have had another crazy round of games. We've had a goalkeeper scoring a 95th minute equaliser. We've had Andy Carroll having one of the strangest games I think we've ever seen (laughs) in championship history. We've had brawls on the sidelines. We've had all sorts, but most importantly... It is still all to play for in many different departments of the championship, despite us having three games left for most teams in the championship. We'll go to, well, we may as well have a talk about it, Justin, shall we? We'll kick things off with a late James McAtee goal, which saw Sheffield United edge closer to promotion with a 1-0 win at home to Bristol City. They struggled to create many clear-cut chances in this one to Sheffield United. Bristol City was sat very deep, but in the end, they managed to break through eventually, as has been quite a regular pattern with them recently, hasn't it? A regular pattern. I'm going to say something that I've said about Sheffield United regularly lately. It was another professional performance, wasn't it? I know they didn't create quite enough or, or quite as much as they have done in recent in recent weeks but they were well worth the win they kept Bristol City at arm's length limited to just limited them just to four shots it was a very steely performance pardon the pun didn't mean it um, but it was one that yeah a very deserved clean sheet and a very deserved three points it was that bit of quality that you need at this stage in the season when games are not running away from you but time's running out you need a bit of quality and a bit of composure and McAtee pr- uh, provided that but as I say, it was a defensive performance that provided that linchpin for the team to build upon, keeping a team like Bristol City out, who have got some really good individual attackers. You've got Cornick, Vyman, Mimeti um, when he's when he's fit or, or when he starts or when he, when he's playing, I should say. Tommy Conway is a good finisher as well. Some good players, but Sheffield United kept him kept him quiet, and that was a very you know it epitomizes what Sheffield United have been doing over recent weeks, and that's just been getting on with the job that they've got at hand, and that's getting promoted. Yeah, they haven't been outstanding in recent weeks, but it is six wins from seven. And great sides can often just win games by playing (laughs) okay. 
it feels as if we've seen three different versions of Sheffield United this season, doesn't it? There was the team who was blitzing the league in the first half of the season. Then we saw the team who wasn't playing as well, but still getting results. Then we had the team who was wobbling and really wasn't playing well a month or two ago. Luckily, we didn't see that team for too long. And now we're seeing the second version of them again, where they're still getting results despite not being amazing. This is a very talented team, though, and it's got very talented players, and they only need a moment's notice to punish the opposition. Iliman Adai has the ball 30 yards out, is about to shoot, but stops himself and puts through James McAtee, who scores another important goal. Against Cardiff last weekend, I thought Cardiff were actually the better side, but again, the quality shone through from Sheffield United when it matters. They're a very good side, and they deserve promotion if or when they get it. That's Obviously, a simple thing to say because they're second. But over the course of the season, they have been the second best team in the league. Burnley have been by far and away the best team in the league. But then there's a bit of a gap between Sheffield United and the third best team in the league. And they're nearly there, aren't they? They've got a break from the league action, actually, because of the FA Cup this weekend. However, they could be promoted without playing if Luton lose and Middlesbrough fail to win this coming weekend. We say they've got one foot in the Premier League, Justin. What other body parts would you put in at this point? You know, when you're climbing over a stile, like if you're on a dog walk or a walk in the field, you get one leg over onto the other side mm-hmm. and your body's just starting to tip over. That, it's that I guess it's that moment of uncertainty where you could potentially stack it and you know it goes tits up. And I imagine that's where a lot of Blades fans are at at the moment. They're still not entirely convinced they'll do it. Um, but yeah, they've got the leg over, the shoulder's tilting over the style just waiting for that other leg to hook over and uh, they're yeah, they're through the, the door and onto the other side that's surprisingly a good metaphor <laughs> I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that initially but yeah, you know what <laughs> makes a lot of sense um, so what you're saying is they're either going to stack it or they're just going to take the momentum through the style and that style being into the field which is the Premier League yeah but, and... they're, but they're, they're good on their legs as well they're not like we, you know wilting at all they're, they're and it's not been raining recently either. exactly it's a nice dry day yeah they're fine yeah yeah <laughs> there we go <laughs> somehow that worked out really well so Sheffield United nearly a promotion in the bag but congratulations to Bristol City who are the real winners from this game they're one of three teams who are now mathematically guaranteed to be in the championship next season you lucky buggers get another season with your favorite podcast <laughs> two wins in 10 for the Robins they sit 14th what a meh season they've had, Justin. It is it is a meh season, but it's one that I think would serve as a, you know a bit of a reminder that maybe Nigel Pearson's done as much as he can with this team, but also the potential of what this team can do. I am excited for them next season. I, I look at the players that they've got, the individuals that they've got, and I know you're. <laughs> Not convinced at all by well, them, but... well, I was going to say, Justin, much you were very excited about them this season. <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe they're turning into the Stoke City for me where I back them and I and I want them to do well, but they just let me down. But they've got the potential to be a really fun side, a really exciting side to watch. They've got so much attacking talent. It just, I, I don't know, it needs playing together. It needs formulating a style of play that's going to get the best out of them, but also it allows them to not concede really sloppy goals, which they are capable of doing. So... I know injuries haven't helped, but every team's had injuries. But they're a team that um, that can potentially be a very good side next season. But they need to finish the next few games strongly for me to be really convinced that they can do something under Nigel Pearson. Otherwise, I'm just going to have that mind frame that or mindset that maybe they should look elsewhere. I don't know. Maybe that's harsh. But if they finished 14th where they are now, this would actually be their highest league finish under Nigel Pearson. So some may see it as progress. I'm not sure if I do. That 14th place is being helped by there being a good chunk of teams who have been very poor this season. Mm -hmm. And while 14th, they're still miles off those sides who currently sit in the top half of the table. So they may be 14th, but it's a big jump between them and, say, 12th in the table. The club could be doing better, I think. So if I was in charge of Bristol City, I'd take the chance to freshen things up this summer. I'd get a new exciting young manager in. They're going to get a lot of money for Alex Scott this summer, who is almost certainly going to leave. And you could use a quarter of what they get to revamp half the first team. And that could go a long way with the right manager in charge. Plus you add in the young, exciting players they've got, like 
Tommy Conway, etc. Bristol City could do something impressive next season, but mm-hmm. it takes a bit of a, a makeover in the summer for that to happen. I'm not sure it is going to happen because I think Bristol City are fairly happy with Nigel Pearson, unfortunately. West Brom made it back-to-back wins by beating Blackpool 2-0. A game of two halves, really. Blackpool were great in the first half, despite being a goal down. And then West Brom just took control of the game and pretty much killed it off. Despite numerous injuries and being out of form, the baggies have suddenly sprung to life. It's good timing as well, isn't it? With teams... Uh, I made that wrestling analogy, didn't I? It's, uh, it's a bit like a Royal Rumble where it's just constant thumping of each other. No one's really taking control of the, that playoff chase and West Brom are just sneaking in there. Like, again, when everyone thought that they might be dropping off because those performances before this um, back-to-back wins, these, these, these type of wins were you know, very, very poor. So for them to be back in amongst it, is is a huge positive, and I think that's you know, credit to Corbran for keeping it cool because there's a lot of injuries, defensive injuries as well, which are uh, you know, huge, and you can sense that in a, in a way because defensively they're not as uh, resolute and not shooting out opposition as well as they have been. But this was a good performance and one that should, or good attacking performance and one that should breathe a bit of confidence into the supporters and the players because, as I say, they're a side who are taking advantage of teams being very very indecisive about what they want to achieve this season. I think if we are going to stick with the wrestling analogies, let's pretend this is a Royal Rumble. I'd say at this point, Watford have just been eliminated. Yeah. Where Norwich are on the edge of the apron and about to get relegated, <laughs> about, about to get eliminated. They're kind of holding onto the ropes at this point. But West Brom are now fully in it. They look like they were hanging on to the ropes, but they've managed yeah. to get back in and they've got a full head of steam now. I'm not sure whether they'll be able to sustain it. I'm teaching myself not to get too carried away with West Brom after previous scars from past incidents earlier in the season. And their remaining games are very tough, but they've got some very good players. And similar to Sheffield United, their quality should shine through more often than not, but that's not been the case on a regular basis. So they've got a great chance of getting in the playoffs. They were in the playoffs on Tuesday night, but then they got knocked out by Blackpool, uh, Blackburn, sorry, getting a point on Wednesday. So they're well and truly on. So who knows at this point? It's still so up for grabs, isn't it? But not good news for Blackpool. They were the only side in the bottom seven who lost in the midweek set of games. Unfortunately for them, it puts them in the same category as Wigan, virtually down. And every time they look as if they might be turning a corner, it turns out they've already missed the turn they were meant to be taking. They went 14 games without a league win between November and February. They get a win against Stoke, fail to win in the next four. They then beat QPR 6-1, lose the next four, get a gigantic win against Wigan and then lose to West Brom. It's just not happened. And the fact is, for Blackpool to stay up, they'd need to win at least two of their remaining games. It's just not going to happen. They've We're talking about a side here who have won three games since the start of November. So <laughs> it's a pretty ridiculous ask for them to get at least two wins from their three yeah. remaining games. You're spot on. It's, it's been a, a really... I mean, it'd be a campaign that I'd, I'd look back on as a Blackpool supporter and yeah, I'd be really, really frustrated and angered by it because it's just been bad decision after bad decision and if you take point seductions out of it I know it's completely theoretical because these teams have been given point seductions for reasons but if you take point seductions out of it Blackpool would be bottom and they'd be bottom by two points and probably maybe comfortably finish bottom by the end of the season and you're right you're asking a team that have failed to win more than three games since November to go on a monumental run at this stage to win three games back to back to have a chance of staying up by the way not even you know, a guaranteed chance of staying up. It's a chance of staying up. Um, it's it's just too much of an ask. The lack of quality in the final third is is telling. You look at the why well, lack of quality in the first third. The, the defensive course uh, as well is is really really poor. And they've just been making some really bad mistakes and bad decisions in that final third, which has cost them. It's cost them in games. It's cost them uh, in points, and it's going to cost them their place in the championship. It's not. It's not been good enough for what many expected to be not a comfortable season in the championship, but one where you'd have thought maybe they had the quality to stay up this season. Well, they've got the worst defensive record in the division, which surprised me a bit, actually, because I think other teams have stood out more with regards to their defensive frailties. But what this tells me is 
they've just been consistently bad at the back all season and just mm -hmm. not improved. I can't recall them getting battered at any point. There have been a few batterings handed out this season, but I don't recall no. Blackpool being on the receiving end of it. They've just consistently let in a large amount of goals. They've not been helped with injuries to the likes of Marvin Ekpateta. Charlie Good's barely been available since joining in January. But the bottom line is if you combine conceding a lot of goals and the lack of firepower that Blackpool have had in recent months, you're going down, aren't you? And that's why they would be bottom of the table if it wasn't for points deductions. And again, kind of following on from what I was just saying, you look at teams like QPR, Wigan, etc. They've all had spells where they have been absolutely abysmal. I don't think Blackpool have had a spell where they've just been abysmal. No. They've just been bad all season, haven't they? Mm -hmm. And they haven't had too many moments where you've thought, okay, they're actually doing quite good at this point. They've been okay, maybe at certain stages, but it's not been more than that. And more often than not, unfortunately for them, it's just been bad. So that's why Blackpool at this point look like they're destined to be in League One next season. Justin, it's time to sound the alarm for a goalkeeper scoring a goal. Coventry's Ben Wilson getting a 95th minute equaliser in a one-all draw away at Blackburn. I think the best bit about a goalkeeper scoring is they never know how to celebrate, do they? And this was a great <laughs> example of that. Ben Wilson was just running around, you know, shaking his limbs all over the place. Strange that we've had two goalkeepers score in the same season. I can't remember the last time we had a goalkeeper score, but yeah, twice in a season, crazy. But it's a huge goal in a huge game in the playoff race. However, there is a big debate about whether he's handballed it into the goal. The Blackburn Twitter account tweeted minutes after it happened that it was handball. After the game, manager John Dahl Thomason said, I don't want to talk about the goal that they scored, but at the end of the day, using the hand with the goal is a tough one. The referee was in a perfect position to see it as well. Sounds like you did want to talk about it, Jan. Uh, Justin, what did you think? It wasn't handball. It's come off his groin, then his knee. Um, his, his hand's nowhere near it. I just, I just think uh, a goalkeeper in that situation probably doesn't need, doesn't, know what to do with the hands so they just end up everywhere but certainly didn't make any contact with the ball I think the most surprising thing about this whole scenario is Coventry have got a gif for Ben Wilson um, scoring which is incredible <laughs> um, I, I think yeah, having that sort of uh, foresight is is, uh, is pretty spectacular but no certainly not a handball and I think it's it maybe I mean the angles I, I get that the angles are there but there's a lot of behind the goal footage and it's very, very easy to make the decision that it wasn't handball. I'm surprised you've said it's easy, Justin. I, I will say I enjoyed the Coventry fans pointing out he's a goalkeeper. He's allowed to use his hands in the box, <laughs> learn the rules. <laughs> but honestly, I've seen numerous re replays of it and I genuinely cannot tell whether it is handball or not. And if I can't tell after watching multiple replays from that many different angles, how can you expect the referee to accurately give yeah, a decision? in that split second moment. Mm. I don't think you can. So when you look at it from in front of the goal, it looks like handball. It looks like it's come off his arm when it's down by his side. From behind the goal, it looks like it's more of his stomach. So it's very difficult to say, but it doesn't really matter, does it? It's not like the game's going to be replayed, but it is a gigantic goal for Coventry. They were three points off the top six prior to that goal, but it means they're still just a point off. The next two games are Reading and Birmingham, both at home. Got to be looking at making that six points, haven't they? Without a doubt, without a doubt. They've got the quality to do it. It's just whether or not they've you know, maybe got the mindset to do it. They're incredibly good side. In that. I mean, I've said a lot about Mark Robbins, but this team's got so many gifted players and they they did create a really good amount of chances against Blackburn they just struggled to break them down they're coming up against two teams from Reading and Birmingham who are fighting for their lives and Coventry have really got to take the onus and well, take Birmingham the to them yeah, no true sorry they're, so Reading are fighting for their lives but Birmingham are a team that will scrap and they will be resolute and structured I think that's what I was getting at in my head okay, fair enough they, t they, they play like a team fighting for their lives I'll say <laughs> um but yeah, they've got two teams that are very difficult to break down and Coventry have really got to take the onus on. They're a much better counter-attacking side than the are in possession side, especially when you don't have the likes of Casey Palmer or Callum O'Hare in that final third. It makes things a little bit more tricky. But they've got the quality to do it and they've got the quality to hurt opposition. And if they can get a 1-0 lead, they've got the quality to see the games out as well. That might stand them in good stead, but these are difficult. These are two very difficult games. 
Birmingham are on an awkward side, even if they've got nothing to play for, and, and Reading they want to get out of that bottom three, so they've got everything to play for. Blackburn needed to hold on here, didn't they? It would have been just their second win in eight games and would have been a valuable win as well. West Brom are the only team still chasing the playoffs to get a victory in midweek. So a massive missed opportunity, really, for Rovers. How are you assessing their top six chances as we speak, Peachy? It's difficult, isn't it? Because Blackburn struggled to get that second goal in games. They're very good at managing games and keeping clean sheets or um, seeing the games out. But it's moments like this when they come up against good opposition. I know the goalkeeper scored. You can't really legislate for that. But at the, at the end of the day, they switched off. Yondal Thomason went to a back five towards the last sort of quarter of the game. Didn't really help. It just became a bit of a siege for, for Coventry. And you, they invited a lot of pressure. So maybe you're looking at this season probably being potentially being one season too soon or too soon for this side. It's a young side. But at the same time, Blackburn for me are probably the most convincing team in there because they've got a good squad of players available to them fit. You know, West Brom have got a lot of injuries, Coventry have got a lot of injuries, Sunderland are not quite there either. So Blackburn probably for me are the best side, best set side to, to get into that top six. But it's just moments like this that let them down and they've they've hit a patch of form that they've hit at various times this season where they, they struggle to to get wins and um they've shown that they, they they can go on these runs, but scoring goals is the issue. And if you're not scoring goals, you're not winning games. And that is ultimately that is ultimately the, the crux of it. You say they're the best set side. I don't think you're taking into account their remaining games. They've got a local yeah. derby against Preston this weekend, then Burnley, then Luton, and then it's Millwall on the final day. In fairness, if Blackburn want to get a playoff place, there's not much point in getting there if they're not going to beat the top side. So... Now's a good chance to show that they can do that. Yeah. It perhaps the most surprising result of the midweek round of games. Cardiff won 3-1 away at Watford. Cardiff were a goal behind here before three in the space of 10 minutes before half-time. And from that point, Cardiff never looked like losing this one. What a goal by Sorry Cabber. He chests across up into the air before overhead kicking it. A real thing of beauty, especially when it's a man who's got such long limbs. It makes it yeah. look so much more, and you know, so much more aesthetically pleasing to the eye. He is Cardiff's top scorer now as well, despite being let there the less than three months. But what a signing he's been. He's really changed their season, Hansi. If Cardiff lost this, they'd have been in the bottom three. So an absolutely huge, huge result for them. There's a there's a, a couple of teams down there that are showing the credentials you need to to get out of you know, a relegation fight, to get out of a bottom three scrap. And there are certain teams that aren't showing it either, but we'll get into that later. But uh, Cardiff are one of those sides that have got the, the cojones at times. And you mentioned at, at the weekend that they're, they're playing the best football under Sabri Lamushi. Tactically, they're a brilliant side, but I think the mindset in this game was was what won them. Uh, was what won them the game. Watford have got a lot of quality in that side and for Cardiff to defend as magnificently as he did in that second half to manage it as brilliant as he did. The back six, including the goalkeeper, were, were, were near faultless in that second half and I know that uh, three goals in 10 minutes spell was, was, was massive. Even if it was 2-1, I think Cardiff would have seen that game out. It was a, a really, really back to the wall, gritty, determined, relatively comfortable performance in that second half and I was down to how they were set up and that was down to the mentality of that team. Can't praise them enough, it's just they've got to maintain it and I think they've got the ability to do it. They're a good side Cardiff under Lamusha, I think um, and they've got some quality as we saw with, with Sorry Cabba. Well, we've been saying Cardiff have been playing their best football of the season, just not getting the results to take them away from the bottom three and this is a result that actually helps with that so it's massive. They've got Burnley on the final day but before that have three very winnable games so they need to make the most of them before the final day because I wouldn't fancy their chances at Turf Moor if they're needing to get well even a point on the final day so they're 19th two points clear with a game in hand feeling a lot more confident on them now than I did before this result and that's always a good start into I don't think anything sums up Watford's season more than getting battered at home by Cardiff who are the second lowest scorers in the league mathematically they can still make the playoffs but it didn't look like happening before and it's certainly not happening now no it isn't they I, I was talking about credentials with that Cardiff team showing the mentality to, to win a game to, to to meet your objectives and whatever they might might be Watford don't have it 
there's just no backbone, there's no personality. There's clearly quality in the team, but I don't know what you need to do to get it out of this this group of players. If you've not, if you, yeah, I mean, Chris Wilder has been very honest in a previous interview. He was very honest last night as well. If you don't get motivated after that, what do you, what motivates you as a footballer? What motivates you as a player for Watford? I, I don't understand it. Um, it's it's a conundrum. Um, it's impossible to to really get to the bottom of. Uh, tactically, they've had to place yeah put square pegs in round holes at times this season which hasn't helped um and and that's that's probably it they've had a, an upsetting season in terms of managerial changes a lot of transition in terms of the playing squad as well and it might just be all of that but at the end of the day if you're not matching a team on the pitch that's a really big problem and one if you can't get motivated by three coaches what's the next coach going to do i feel for him Watford need to hit the reset button, don't they? And I think they're going to be forced to do that this summer, whether they like it or not. We know there's going to be a new manager. Numerous reports indicate they're already on the lookout for someone with Chris Wilder only contracted till the end of the season. Italian manager Francesco Farioli has been strongly linked. Whether he's the right man or not, who knows? The playing squad's going to be very different. João Pedro's almost certainly going to leave. Ishmael Assar probably won't be far behind him. Hassan Kamara's only on loan, as is Hamza Chowdhury and a couple of other players as well. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the other players they signed in the Premier League decide they want to move on too. So Watford should have a fair amount of money to spend this summer if they so wish from the players who will be going out the door. But they'll have to be mindful of not spending beyond their means and getting themselves in a pickle down the road. They've also got some good young players who I'd like to see form the basis of this team next season but the Pozzo family will probably keen to get back to the Premier League as soon as possible and that brings me nicely on to the owners who most Watford fans will happily see the back of at this point but I'm not sure they will because I haven't seen anything in the way of takeover talk so it's a big summer of change at Watford but will the club actually fundamentally change at its heart and soul Mm -hmm. who knows that's up to the club hierarchy to make a decision on, isn't it? Sunderland won, Huddersfield won. A great point for Huddersfield, but is it a missed opportunity for Sunderland, Justin? Yeah, massively. You're at home, you're playing against a team who have shown some defensive weaknesses of, of late and they pull you into a game that you, you're not very good at, which is essentially a bit scrappy, low block, and you're having to break them down. It was a really good tactical battle and it was a really good game plan by Huddersfield to bring Sunderland down. And I think that inexperience that they got within their side probably dragged them into it. And that's one of the reasons why they couldn't um, they couldn't get anything from this game other than the point. It was a, a, a game of good moments, but you need a, a lot of quality, um, especially at home and, and Sunderland just lack it, which probably led into my argument of maybe they're underachieving a little bit this season, but less said about that, the better, I think. Yeah, that's just still a nonsense debate to be had, Justin. (laughs) Sunderland could have really done with a win here. They managed to get on the cusp of the playoffs thanks to a couple of victories. But if they want to get a playoff place, you've got to keep up the wins. And this was their most winnable game of their remaining fixtures. Still not over yet, but it is a blow to their chances of getting into the top six without a doubt. I feel as if Huddersfield heading towards Survival Island just in the table makes it look as if they're still well in danger. But... You've got two relegation spaces virtually taken up at this point. The last one is still well up for grabs. And you've got three teams in a poorer position than Huddersfield, in my view. I'm at the point now where I'd be surprised if they actually went down. They've got a bit of a break now because they're meant to be playing Sheffield United this weekend to have the FA Cup. The next game is Cardiff away, which is such a huge one and then there's the Sheffield United game then on the final day they've got Reading another massive game it's very juicy stuff and it's essentially three cup finals for Huddersfield however this point against Huddersfield is huge and goes a long way to keeping them up I think especially if we live with the assumption that QPR will never win another game for the rest of time just then let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about a huge point for Reading as well and I'll tell you what, a huge point for Rotherham too. Welcome 
Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Reading and Luton drew one all. Another cracking result for Reading. Andy Cowell had an interesting game here. He put Reading ahead in the 51st minute with a great header and then five minutes later scored again. But it turned out he'd handballed it in. He, he tried to pull a hand of God and it, it was disallowed. And to really add salt to the wounds, he was already on a yellow card. So he got a second yellow and was sent off. And, you know, football causes a lot of hate and anger between supporters of different teams. But I hope we can all come together and agree that this was really, really funny. But Noel Hunt has now managed to draw with both Burnley and Luton in his two games in caretaker charge in the space of a few days. It doesn't shift them out the bottom three, but that is a great start for old Hunty, isn't it? They're massive steps forwards because these are two really good teams. They're two of the best defensive teams in a division and they're two of the best clinical teams in a division. So you've got opposition there who present a lot of threats for a team who have struggled for points uh, of late under Paul Ince. Um, but there was a, it was a massive step forward in, in performance. Reading just looked a lot more compact. I think the midfield three, Jeff Hendrick, probably his best game of the season. Um, but they looked a lot more compact, a lot, a lot more organised, and a lot more. There's a lot more idea and identity with this team under under Noel Hunt so far. I know it's only two games, but Paulin set the bar very low um, for what, what what he's needed from a team. But again, they're showing the sort of mineral you need to get out of danger. Whether that six points reduction is is too much. There are teams that are above them, I think, would be looking very nervously at, at Reading because you can look at the quality of play that they've got. They've still got Lucas Schau fit. They've got Tom Ince to come to come back into things. Jeff Hendrick, as I say, had a really good game. Hopefully he builds up on it, builds on that. Um, there's just so much ability in that team. And if they're organised and, and, and they're playing against opposition who aren't as good as Burnley and, and, and Luton, for example, there's potential dangers there. Um, so yeah, I'd be very impressed or, or pleased as a Reading supporter and hope that the, the solid foundation laid by Hunt can, can be built upon. Yeah, definitely. You can only be encouraged by what we've seen of Reading so far under Noel Hunt. There's a fighting spirit, which we hadn't seen for a while under mm. Paul Ince, but the players seem to believe again that they can stay up. And yes, they were on the back foot against Luton. That is understandable, though, because they're a great side and they're down to 10 men. Maybe if Andy Cowell hadn't been sent off, then they would have got a huge three points. And it's a massive blow that he's probably going to be missing for the next two games. I still fancy them much more to get results now than I did before, though. They've got Coventry away next weekend, a very tough game, but not as tough as Burnley and Luton. So why not? And then after that, it's two cup finals against Wigan and Huddersfield. So it's a gigantic three weeks for Reading in their chances of staying up. This result means Luton will officially be competing in the playoffs next month. It's seemed like that will be the case for a while, but it's now nailed on they're also virtually guaranteed to be finishing either third or fourth and won't be playing Middlesbrough in the semis which I'd say is obviously a good thing it is I mean maybe over two legs Luton would have fancied themselves because again a very defensive a very good defensive side but we've seen shown we've seen that Middlesbrough can can blow teams very very quickly they're very good at going forwards um so they obviously represent a lot of threats but it doesn't matter you're going to play the best teams in the playoffs it's always the case so it doesn't matter whether you get them in the semis or the or the final you've got to beat the best teams to to get out of this division um so it's just it might be inevitable that they play Borough or Borough might get themselves knocked out in the semis who knows but yeah Luton have had a better season so far so that'll that'll provide them confidence how what percentage chance would you give Justin of it being a Luton Middlesbrough playoff final Given that fifth and sixth, I know Millwall have been very consistent in that top six anyway, but they they they're not as good defensively as Luton, they're not as good at going forwards as Middlesbrough are. So there, there are two weaknesses there against the two other sides. So I'd put it at about eighty percent, but I wouldn't be surprised for some shit housery to really frustrate Middlesbrough, um, just because we you've said it, I've said it uh, in previous seasons, good defensive sides get results in the playoffs. And that bodes that bodes you well, and that might be the case against Middlesbrough. So chances are high, but I wouldn't. You can't rule it out. Yeah, I'm not sure what percentage I would give. I'm not sure I'd go as high as eighty percent because it is the playoffs. It's a lottery cliche, cliche. Um, although maybe it's not as much of a 
actual fact that it's a lottery as people may like to think because if you look at the playoffs in recent years it has quite often been the two best teams who end up playing in the final but there you go um but yeah considering Luton at the moment would be playing the team who finishes sixth it's great watching the race for the top six but I'd fancy Luton against any of the teams who are chasing there and Middlesbrough have suddenly sparked up and if they indeed did face Millwall in the semi-finals I think Millwall would prefer to play Middlesbrough but still I I, I think Middlesbrough are just so bloody good that it would be difficult really to see it being anything other than Luton Middlesbrough but who knows anything can happen as we always say with the playoffs but they they are two there's a clear gap between Luton and Middlesbrough a, a, a clear gap of, of Luton and Middlesbrough compared to the rest of the teams below yeah. them isn't there I think we can all agree on that two late goals for both sides saw Rotherham and Burnley draw 2-2 Reading fans can rest easy knowing the points record now officially remains theirs still got to stay up but at least the important bit is out of the way uh, quite an even game this Rotherham were really good I've been saying recently that they haven't been playing too well they did here and fully deserved a point. Two great goals from Burnley, particularly Manuel Benson's, who's just such a classy player. Into they have drawn a few games recently. Have Burnley? Are they taking their foot off the gas, Justin? I was questioning this, but they have been creating a lot of chances. It's just maybe that mindset has has become a little bit complacent, and especially in game when you are hammering a team of you know. Vickers and oh, damn it, I can't remember the young lad's name now. Who came on for Vickers at half time, but um, the goalkeepers in this game had to make a lot of saves for Rotherham. Uh, so I think it's more of a case of maybe when you are knocking on the door, you get a little bit complacent, a little bit ex, you, know, you start to expect a little bit, and that's probably what lent lent into that. So I don't think they've taken the foot off the gas because the chances show that Burnley were well in the game. Maybe should have come away with three points and an extra two or three goals as he should have done it at the weekend as well. But you've got to respect the, the work that Rotherham put in. So I, I think it's it's one of those one of those things that if you don't take your chances, you don't win the game. And it's the cliche, it's, but that's how football works. Burnley will be crowned champions if they win at the weekend. Who have they got, you might ask? QPR. Congratulations, Burnley. Um, let's talk Rotherham. A big point for them. Have they landed on Survival Island yet, Justin? I know they're mathematically far from safe but I think I would be absolutely stunned if they went down at this point it would be a surprise you're looking for a big shift in performances from QPR mainly I mean Reading are showing some signs of well quite a few signs of life under Noel Hunt Huddersfield are, are, are ticking over Cardiff have got the potential to beat I mean they showed it Watford beat some good teams in this division with their remaining fixtures you might see them up as well it's going to take a massive drop off for Rotherham and a massive shift from QPR, I think, to see Rotherham get pulled into that bottom three. That being said, you can't rule it out, but they're showing a lot more about that. They've got a lot more about them than those those other sides. And as the table suggests, they are probably in a better position than those teams as well. They can score goals. They've got a decent home record. I mean, what are their fixtures like against the over the next few games? Because we've seen that in the. the results against the top six is a lot better than the results against the bottom six for example so that might play a factor but they've got some good quality in that team I'd be surprised for them to get dragged back into that bottom bottom three they've got Bristol City uh, this weekend then they've got Cardiff that rearranged game then Middlesbrough and then Wigan on the final day so don't know what you make of that based off what you just said Justin but still I, I, I'd be as I say I'd be absolutely stunned if Rotherham yeah. went down at this point, it, it has actually been a cracking season for Rotherham, hasn't it? They currently sit 18th and I was having a look and that would be their highest league finish in nearly two decades. It's quite impressive, really, when you keep in mind their budget, the fact they had to cope with losing their long serving manager in Paul Warren and virtually everyone predicting them to be relegated this season. So Matt Taylor deserves respect for getting them to a very good position. Rotherham have had an awful record at championship level in recent years. So for them to stay up and to do so relatively comfortably, won't count as chickens just yet, but you see what I mean, is really good. The tricky task now for them, if they do 
indeed stay up, is establishing themselves in the championship and progressing to the next level. That's mm. something they've really struggled with. And people will say, yeah, well, their budget will always hold them back. That's true. But look at Luton, Coventry and Millwall. These clubs don't have massive budgets and they're battling out at the right end of the table. So that's what the club hierarchy have to try and look at and emulate. It's easier said than done, but otherwise, if they don't try and you know have a go, Rotherham will be this yo-yo club for the rest of time and just continuously bounce between Championship and League One. It would just mm. be boring, wouldn't it? So yeah. hopefully they can make that next step. QPR avoided defeat for just the third time in 13 games. They drew one all with Norwich and can't believe I'm saying this. QPR were probably the better team. I, I'd agree with you. I, I would agree with you on that. But again, it's just down to down to getting over that line and maybe having the the type of minerals that Huddersfield are showing, Rotherham are showing, and Reading are showing that that QPR certainly certainly do lack it at the moment. They created some good chances here. Lyndon Dykes was brilliant. Luke Amos was bright when he came on. There were some really good moments, but ultimately it's another game where they haven't won, and it doesn't feel like a free hit that Gareth Ainsworth described it as pre-game. So there are a lot of factors, I think, that maybe could have helped win them the game. Chris Willock was on the bench for the entire game, for example. He was the league's best player up until the World Cup or one of the best players in the league up until the World Cup. I know injuries haven't helped, but you know what's what's happened there that has, has led to this point where he's not being trusted to well be the difference in a tight game. We've seen that he can score worldies. He was outperforming his XG monumentally before the World Cup because he was scoring worldies. So he's got that ability to change games on a sixpence, but he's just not being trusted. So I still have a lot of question marks for Ainsworth, but make no mistake about it. It was a very low bar set by QPR over recent weeks under Gareth Ainsworth, but that was a massively improved performance against a team who were pretty poor themselves, but still it's a good it's a, well, it's a good point. It's a point in the right direction. But that being said, teams around them won. So it's, is it a good point? Yeah, it's an argument. There's arguments for it. If I'm being cynical, Norwich were probably the ideal opponents for QPR in the current circumstances because they're low on confidence themselves because they've not been playing very well recently. Mm-hmm. And their two centre-halves are a young lad in Omar Bomadelli and a midfielder in Jacob Sorensen. So when the blasting balls up to Lyndon Dykes, as usual, he's going to have more luck against them than he is, say, Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson in T. So we'll give QPR credit. They did well here and they would have gone into the bottom three if they didn't get this point. So it makes a big difference. They've got Burnley away on Saturday. Not ideal. And I just cannot for the life of me see QPR possibly getting anything from this game, Justin. Q3 points. That's all I'm going to say. It's just Q3 <laughs> points after you saying that. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. The, the, the odds are stacked against them, and that's maybe where Gareth Ainsworth's strengths lie. That being said, if I was a, a semi-decent manager at Championship level, and I've how many how many games have they won over the last three months? Two games, and if I've won two in 20, 20 odd games, and I'm going up against the league's best team. I'm going to find it difficult to really convince my players that you're going to come away with three points. But stranger things have happened in the championship. It's it, you know crazy. Yeah, I say crazy things happen. QPR could come away with three points. You never know. Lyndon Dykes is hitting form. Chris Willett might be trusted to come in and change the game. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things haven't happened. Actually, I was going to say no, they have right. happened, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't think they have. This is very logical. Be the it would be the biggest shot in championship history if QPR got three points here. And I just cannot see them getting anything from this one. So it's as much of a free hit as free hits go, I think. Um, maybe a, I'm alluding to stranger world events, I think, have happened. <laughs> maybe, maybe. The, the only possibility I can even slightly see happening is QPR maybe nicking a point. But you've got to keep in mind... QPR are so bad defensively that they could get absolutely torn to pieces by this Burnley attack. And Burnley have drawn a few games recently, but they're just on completely different planes right now at QPR and Burnley. So I think this may be one where QPR fans are just crossing their fingers and looking at the results elsewhere in the championship and hoping that there isn't too much damage to their chances of staying up. Remarkably, Norwich is still just two points off the playoffs. How is this possible, Justin? They've been 
poor now for what feels like ages. <laughs> it is strange, isn't it? It's just like... I mean, it's the Royal Rumble analogy, isn't it? No one's taking control of the situation. Um, it was a really poor performance from Norwich, and you quite rightly say they've been poor for a while. They've dropped 21 points to teams in the bottom eight this season. 21 <sighs> points. That would see them second. That would see them second. I know football's not as straight and narrow as that, but Norwich have got a good enough squad to at least accumulate half of those points to at least for them to be in the top six. It is absolutely bonkers, really, how it's worked out. And as I say, David Wagner, not inspiring at all. We were sceptical. He's had some good moments, but ultimately, this Norwich team is poor. It is poor, and it's it's going to take a, a monumental shift in performances and quality for them to get in that top six. Because, I mean, because whilst teams aren't necessarily convincing in finishing that top six, there are more convincing teams pushing for the top six, if that makes any sense. They're not getting in the top six, Justin. No. I can tell you that right now. It, it's just not going to happen. I was going to say I'd be absolutely stunned if they did. I'm not even considering it a possibility because it's just they just they're just so far off it. Despite not being many points away, they are just so far off it that it would take a, a, a drastic, drastic swing in performances for them to actually get anywhere near the top six at this point. A Lukas Jokovic's goal saw Birmingham win 1-0 away at Millwall. He's having a bit of a purple patch in the old Duke. He's been playing very well for Blues recently, even though their season's over. He's He is a proper modern-day Birmingham legend, isn't he? You'd, you'd argue that. He's been there through thick and thin over some really tumultuous years. And, he, I mean, he formed that legendary partnership with Shea Adams, what feels mm. like 10 years ago, but I think it was only five years ago. Crazy how time works, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a really good pro. He's, I mean, he's, he's never been blessed with pace, but he's um he's a strong player who loves the back post. He's incredibly gifted at heading the ball across the goal, um, and he's a physical presence. And I think he's you know he's one of those players that you you'd want to give a year contract to every year because he's you can get a lot out of him. You look at Jamie Vardy, who's dwindled in his years because he's lost his pace and whatnot. Djukovic never had pace. He doesn't have to worry about that. You just got to get the balls into him. He's 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 a good pro, and yeah, certainly a modern day Birmingham City legend. And he, whilst his goal was a little bit fortunate with the deflection from George Long, it was still he was there on that back post doing what he does best. It's just a shame, really, that in the time that he's been at Birmingham, they've been virtually fighting relegation yeah. every season, haven't they? And it doesn't really represent how good a servant he's been for Blues. He has scored some very important goals over the years, and it's just, I, I do enjoy him to watch as a player because he is, you know, as old school as it gets, isn't he? He mm. is your big old battering ram of, uh, you know, old-fashioned 80s number nine. Um, and those kind of players are going out of date, aren't they? But, you know, he, he's still there doing his doing his stuff. And yeah, he, he's been at Birmingham for a number of years now and has been one of their most... You know, frequent assets, aren't he? So, yeah, big fan of old Juki. Birmingham are one of the three teams who are guaranteed to be in the Championship next season. So the real winners from the midweek round of games. A bad result for Millwall this, though, isn't it? They looked blunt, which is a problem they have suffered with at times this season. There wasn't a golden chance aside from one for Tom Bradshaw, which came from Neil Etheridge spilling a shot at his feet. Otherwise, they just seem to keep crossing it over and over again, and it didn't really work. Millwall should be all right in respect of their playoff place. Their next two are against Wigan and Blackpool. So it would be a massive balls up on their behalf if they didn't get in the top six. So we'll wait and see on that one, but I'd be I'd be very surprised if they didn't get there. There was a crazy game at the Swansea.com stadium. Swansea won 4-2 at home to Preston. Not sure why I had to make it clear that <laughs> who was at home there. I think it's pretty obvious who plays at the Swansea.com stadium. <laughs> Swansea were 3-0 up. Then Preston pulled it back to 3-2. Swansea then had a man sent off late on, but managed to kill the game off with a 94th minute goal from Joel Pirro. A big brawl in this game as well. Scenes you don't like to see, but actually... We all secretly do. 13 points from a possible 15 for Swansea. Now, they're doing exceptionally well, aren't they? It's quite hard to judge a team who have two very good spells in form at the opposite ends of the season because that middle patch for Swansea where, what, they won 2-22 in or something? 
well, you know, it probably wasn't that bad, but they, they won two games over a long period of time. Really poor run of results. And we were thinking Russell Wright Martin was going to leave. That there's a lot of um, un- unrest because of the lack of investment from the board in January and just terrible decision making at the top. But actually, what this what this season will serve as a reminder for for the Norwich board, hopefully, is that Russell Martin can deliver good for Swansea. There are a lot of they need a lot of quality in that team. They need a lot of. Um, I, I think a, a, a fair amount of more more experience, some backup for Joel Pirro, maybe a number nine, a more, more complete number nine. The squad needs investment, it's very easy. And I think if Russell Martin gets investment, he can deliver. He's five points off the playoffs. Whilst it might be too late to, to push for that top six place now for them to be within touching distance of the top six after what has been a, I would say, relatively disappointing campaign in spells, I think it's a massive achievement. And again, their lack of investment is is astonishing. They didn't have any wing backs until very late in the transfer window in the summer. Didn't bring any wing backs in in, in January either. So it's incredible that they managed to get this, to this point and be consistent as well. Uh, fair play to Russell Martin for for keeping his keeping his faith because you know, lesser men may have walked in January. Well, they've got some players in that team who are amongst the best in the championship in their respective positions. Look at Joel Pirro, one of the best strikers in the division, mm-hmm. one of the top scorers in the division this season. Matt Grimes is one of the most consistent players in the division this season. Ryan Manning has been one of the best players, or arguably the best left-back in the division, or left wing yeah. back in the division this season. Unfortunately, he's going to be heading out the door this season because his contract's expiring. But there's certainly a lot to work with there. And... I think some of the players are certainly serviceable for a team pushing for the playoffs. It just needs investment, doesn't it, to bring in some extra bodies to take them to that next level. And Russell Martin's just won, you know, 13 points from 15. This is what this Swansea team can do. But Mm -hmm. because of the lack of depth and the lack of, you know, overall quality around the squad, that's why they've not been able to do more this season so that's the disappointing thing from a Swansea perspective Middlesbrough well and truly back to winning ways they beat Hull 3-1 it's just a matter of Middlesbrough getting some form together now into heading into the playoffs back-to-back wins including you know a big thrashing of Norwich last Friday night so good for them to be getting some W's under the belt after they did have a bit of a wobble Hull or the other championship side are guaranteed to be with us again next season so congratulations to all Tigers fans and a Will Keane goal saw Wigan beat Stoke 1-0 unfortunately doesn't mean much for the Latics they're seven points adrift with three games remaining so almost certainly going down Stoke have suddenly picked up despite their season being over but it's now just one point in four games for them what a strange underwhelming dull and forgetful season it's been for Stoke City supporters now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news and Footy Insider reports Vincent Company is set to reject the Tottenham job so he can stay at Burnley. The Belgian had reportedly been made the number one choice for the position and has also been linked with the Chelsea job, but he's said to be keen to be in charge of Burnley for their return to the Premier League. And we both agree that's the right thing to do, don't we? I think he would deserve a lot of credit if he does reject them because they're two big jobs to say no to, especially for a manager in the Championship. But it's also incredibly sensible. Intent because some may look at that and think that's a lot of money. I quite fancy that. <laughs> they take the job, but we'll leave that one there just because I think it's both pretty obvious what we think about that one. West Brom striker Daryl DK is going to be out for up to nine months after suffering an Achilles injury. He was stretched off against Stoke at the weekend. Has there been a player who's been more unlucky with injury over the past couple of months or last couple of years rather than Daryl DK? He missed virtually the whole of last year. And now might be unavailable for the remainder of this year as well. Such rotten luck. Yeah, and he's not been able to get going either because of these injuries. So to have an injury disrupted start to a career at a new club is it's never ideal. Daryl D. K. He's such a he's such a nice nice guy. I'm not going to say you know players with bad personalities should should get injured, but you just want him to succeed and do well because he's such a you know, such a nice person. Um, off the pitch, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of injuries have have happened this season. Um, but again, if you if someone like DK, who's 
had a history of hamstring injuries and then it's his Achilles. It's just desperately bad luck because it can happen to anybody. You literally can. If you jump and fall slightly awkwardly, your Achilles can go. It's just one of those situations that you've got to say, it's just terrible luck. And yeah, you feel for him and hopefully he can, he can bounce back again because two two serious injuries in the space of a year is, is, is never easy. A three, really, because he got injured at... In when he just signed and then got injured in pre-season and yeah. now he's injured again so yeah for, he is, he's really had it tough and you've got to feel for West Brom as well who have spent a lot of money on him and have barely had him fully fit for mm-hmm. for a, a long sustained period have they DK wasn't the only player who suffered a bad injury in that Stoke West Brom game Potter's defender Ben Wilmot will, will miss the rest of the season after fracturing his back during an awkward fall he's remained in hospital in the days afterwards but it won't require surgery Millwall defender Murray Wallace is set to miss the rest of the season with a quad injury he went off injured in their game at the weekend it comes as defender Charlie Cresswell is also out for the season after having surgery on a fractured eye socket not sure if these players will miss the playoffs. It's not been made specifically clear. They've just said we'll miss the rest of the season. So I'm not sure if that's just the last three games or what. But the injuries at the back are certainly racking up for Millwall yeah. and that's not ideal. A widening gap between clubs receiving parachute payments and the rest of the championship is a major concern. English Football League Chief Rick Parry has warned. Research carried out for the EFL says the issue is showing a continuing alarming and upward trend. It concluded clubs receiving parachute payments were three times more likely to be promoted than other clubs. But Parry says the Premier League stance on the issue is disappointing. He has written to MPs taking issue with comments made about the subject by Premier League boss Richard Masters. We're both against parachute payments, aren't we, Justin? And something needs to change. Whether that's more money from the Premier League, I think is the obvious answer. But mm-hmm. well, I think something will happen, especially with the with the independent regulator coming in. And so hopefully we will see some form of change when the regulator is actually, actually established. Hall defender Sean McLaughlin has signed a new deal until 2026. And former Bristol City and MK Don striker Nicky Maynard has retired from football at the age of 36. Had a good spell at Ashton Gate and will always be remembered for that goal away at QPR, Justin. Yeah, it was, it was a wonderful goal. Nicky Maynard was such a consistent goal scorer at championship level. I think people tend to forget how consistent he was. Maybe that moved to, I think it was Bristol City to West Ham, wasn't it? It sort of mm. started, not the downfall, but the the period of really underwhelming performances, which ultimately saw him drop down the leagues a little bit. So, yeah, it's a shame. But, yeah, it's such a consistent and good goal scorer. And, uh, a goal scorer of spectacular goals, which is always nice to see. You don't tend to see that from strikers very often. Normally associated with tappings, but Nick Maynard could do it from everywhere. Yeah, he. That, I think that West Ham move. It's a bit strange always thinking about that move, but I think it does serve as a bit of a warning that, yeah, even though you are moving to a massive club, is it really worth it if exactly. you're not going to get game time? Because his career has certainly taken a downwards trajectory since that move, hasn't it? But he was a very good goal scorer at Bristol City. Now it's time for this. Did he? Yes, sir. You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? Yes, it's time for Diddy or Didn't He. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We're taking a turn to guess them and we keep score as the season goes on. This week, it's my turn to guess and Justin's turn to provide the players and clubs with the scores 127 125 to myself but this is no ordinary edition of Diddy or Dinty ladies and gentlemen I can win this season's title today if I get nine or more that's it I've won although it may just be delaying the inevitable really because I've got two goes remaining this being one of them Justin has one go and of course, I'm already ahead. So it would take an extraordinary slip up at this point for me not to win one tip PG. It would take a Leeds 2018-19 kind of slip up. Well, let's hope I can shithouse my way to, to victory. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confident, but I know that if that first three, you don't I, I felt to... that way before, Justin, and it just means yeah. nothing really. It's just it a look at the draw, isn't it? It is. You're absolutely spot on. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, let's get that first couple done, and we'll see how you go. All right, first one, please. 
Sean Scannell and Blackpool. Sean fucking Scannell, are you serious? Um, right, yes. Right, just before you kick on, he made over 300 appearances at championship level. So that's not yeah, respectful, it's, yeah. It's because I got him mixed up with someone else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I overreacted very quickly. Um, yeah, I think he did play for Blackpool. You'd be correct, he made eight appearances for them. Lovely stuff. One out of one. Yeah, we'll take that. Martin Craney in Crystal Palace. I was going to say yes. Don't know when it would have happened. I don't know Martin Craney's very well as long-term listeners of the Craig Bryson pub quiz era will very much remember. Um, but yeah, I'll go yes. I made that one up. He did not play for Crystal Palace. Okay. Played for one every out of two. Single, played for every single South Coast club. Professional South Apart Coast from Crystal Coast Palace. Coast well, Palace of London, you fool. Yeah, true. Claire, they're kind of close. Anyway, next one. Uh, the next one is Ryan Manning and Rotherham. Yes. That was a very confident that. answer. I know that one. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, loan spot in 18-19, 18 appearances, four goals. Passed me by, yeah. that did. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember him having quite a good spell. Two out of three. Fair enough, that's fair, fair play, Ryan. Next one is David Connolly and West Brom. I... Do not know David Conley's career at all. Uh, I'll say completely made up. You'd be correct. I made that one up. Played for 11 different clubs in England. And both Wimbledons. Don't know. Honestly, do not know. Three out of four. This is going very well. Incredible. Kiefer Moore and Huddersfield. Ooh, so I know Kiefer Moore's career quite well. And I don't think he did. No, no. He's had a bit of a strange career. He was playing in Norway, wasn't he, up until like the age of 26. Um, or Scandinavia, that's that part of the world. Um, then went to Forest Green, then Ipswich, then Barnsley, then Wigan, then Cardiff, and then Bournemouth. So I think I think I pretty much team. reeled off his whole career. Not considering a youth team. Uh, I can't remember who is at a, a youth team level, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Huddersfield. Huddersfield developed some cart horses. Matt Crooks came through. Are you sure? I'm saying he didn't play for Huddersfield, Justin. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're correct. I made that one up. <laughs> Four out of five. Look at this. The next one is Joby McEnough and West Ham. Yes. The thing is, like, I know I say, are you sure? But it's genuinely because you do pull a face and I just want to double check you. You're not going to change your answer last minute before I say the answer. That's just my normal face. And then you kick off because I don't point. I think he was there as a young lad. You're incorrect. He did play for West Ham, but it was 13 appearances in 2004 when he was about 100 appearances into his career. So I'm right. You are correct, yes. But you're wrong about your initial statement, which I just wanted to... I just wanted to put the fear of God on you, that's all. Fine. Five out of six. The next one is Hayden Mullins and Reading. Yes. You say that with like a an assertive yes. Why? Why is that? I think because we tweeted a video this week of Noel Hunt celebrating promotion with Reading oh. and he leapfrogs over a player. He does and leapfrog Hayden Mullins. You are right. And he leapfrogs Hayden Mullins. <laughs> but you are right. Hayden Mullins did play for Reading. Seven appearances in 2012 on loan. Six out of seven. If I get the three remaining Diddy or Dinty's correct, I've won for the season. Fair enough. Congrats. I've made up for you. Can I just next one, one, please? Danny Fox and Brighton. Danny Fox, you say? Uh, uh, no. Is that and yeah? Is, is that your answer? I'm saying he didn't. You're correct. He did not play for Brighton. Just trying to seven out of eight. That's going nicely. Corley Woodrow in Bristol City is your next one. Yes. Correct. Loan spell in 2017. Yeah, I knew that one. 15 appearances, two goals. I think we may have. I may have used that at some point this season. Fantastic. Final one, ladies and gentlemen. Eight out of nine. If I get this correct, the Diddy or Dinty title is coming back to where it's rightfully lives. 
<laughs> so the final one is Sam Vokes and Norwich City. Ooh, my instinct was to say yes, because Sam Vokes has had quite a few clubs. And therefore, I will say yes, because I trust my instinct. You're correct. Loan spanning 2011, four appearances and one goal. Ladies and gentlemen, your diddy or didn't he champion of 2022-2023 is Ryan Dilks. Over the course of the season, there's been ups and downs, trials and tribulations for myself. But I got there in the end. Two sparkling performances where I got 10 out of 10 means that this has been a fully deserved thing that has been on the on the cusp of happening for quite some time now and with that being said i'd like to pass over now to my colleague justin peach who is going to give me a his recognition that i fully deserve this liquidate the podcast Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday to give you a roundup of all the weekend's games. We've got three games remaining, ladies and gentlemen. Still plenty for us to talk about as we have plenty on the line in regards to relegation, playoff race. Lots of batting promotion is pretty much done now, but, you know, we could still talk about that. So we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Beach. And a big, big, big thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.